Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode eight of Bars to the Bar. Okay, so tonight I am joined with the voice of Friartown, Thomas Zinzarella, and we're going to talk about Providence basketball and Big East basketball and everything that's going on with this unprecedented season. Um, so with that being said, have you been able, I know um, like last year you were able to come to some of the practices and stuff, have any of the media been able um, to come into the facility at Providence and kind of see anything, talk to coaches? How has that kind of looked um, with all the regulations um, within the state and at PC? Um, well, first of all, thanks for having me on. Really, really appreciate it. It was <laughs> fun to talk hoops with you, I know. Um, really, a lot of it's been um, virtual and online on Zoom. So like Cooley and they still have the regular media meeting like sessions and stuff, but everything's just online. So like after the games too, you know, the press conference, um, that's, that's all virtual on zoom. So you don't get that face-to-face -face contact, um, which, which kind of stinks. Um, mm -hmm. And then I know for some of the TV people, they can come in and shoot some, some real and stuff at some of the practices, but yeah, everything's kind of been just like everything else, just been online and, and virtual. So you don't really get that you know, front view of really what's going on in practice. You're really just kind of seeing from like behind a monitor and it's the same way for a lot of people in sports as well. A lot of just sitting behind on the TV, but just good to have sports back in general. So I know a lot of my friends that work in the sports industry, they're just kind of happy to be doing their job again. So. Yeah, absolutely. And it's also great that, I mean, Providence is playing TCU tomorrow that they were able um, to decide to still go on that trip and still make that possible. Because I know a lot of the schools, um, within the Big East and just around the country, obviously top 25 schools just recently um, been canceling the games, but knock on wood, PC has been following protocol and going, um, like continuing to go the games. But like, like I think a lot of people announcers have been saying, and people have been saying that like all the games are just day to day, depending on if there's any Corona cases um, within the program. Um, so I know that on social media, Cooley got a lot of heat um, during the Maui Asheville Classic about not wearing his mask properly and everything. Um, but I just wanted to ask like about like Providence, um, like how have they been enforcing the restrictions um, for Corona? Like do they have people like if you, I don't know, if you walk around campus and have a mask on, like are people like, oh my God, like put it on. Like how does, I'm just curious like how that kind of works like from a student perspective. Yeah, it's been really kind of strange and um, like, it's funny because like like you're low you're supposed to have your mask on you know every time you're on campus um stuff like that even visitors as well like we had to tell them like i know like when i give like some tours and stuff that's mm -hmm. I always tell the people like kind of the restrictions because that's obviously important to them as well they kind of want to know what they're walking into um like for example some schools barely do any testing so that's kind of one of the things we emphasize as well is that pc's been testing every week um so and even before you got to campus, you had to get a negative, negative COVID test, and it couldn't be one of the rapid ones. So you had to get a negative test. When you moved on to on-campus or even off-campus, you had to go get a test on campus. Um, you had to get a, a test on Peterson. Um, and then you had to you, – it used to be a random test, but then our first big outbreak happened. So then I did it every single week. Um, but basically everything is kind of socially distanced as well. You're not really supposed to – have more than a certain number of people in the room, six feet, mask on unless you're eating. Um, and right this semester, did like takeout meals and stuff. So they had like to-go box, which is kind of nice for me. I lived off campus, so I was able to just grab a lot of food and just dash. Uh, <laughs> that was a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, like the gym was open, luckily. Um, and you had to just book an appointment online. Didn't go too many times, um, but I did go a few times. Um, I, honestly, my heart and soul's 
basketball, so we couldn't do that this semester, which was kind of a bummer, but understandable, obviously. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it was totally weird. Um, no large gathering stuff like that. So we didn't have senior ring weekend uh, this semester. We had a mass, but I kind of watched some of the mass. They did like 4.30 on a Sunday. Um, which wasn't ideal either because there's a lot of football going on. I think that was like the one Sunday where they had like five games at the four o'clock window. And so I did not go to, I watched part of the mass. But I was like, football's on. Um, so I got my ring, but no dance, you know, in Peterson or at the, you know, Twin River or anything like that, like we experienced last year. So that kind of <laughs> put a damper on things. So hopefully, you know, next semester we can have start doing stuff like that at least uh, just to, brighten our day for senior year so yeah I think that since they are being so strict all the restrictions like that there's a really good possibility that all those things that you said like that we haven't been able to experience um will be able to happen um which is good so switching gears I definitely want to talk about PC basketball um I know the first game against Fairfield um everybody looks good they were playing well they were sharing the ball um a lot of the players that um obviously had to sit out because their transfer season were able to play I thought Noah um did a really good job rebounding I thought he was a really good presence on the floor it was great to see Jared Bynum um he worked so hard in practice all last year so to see him play and kind of come together um I think there's been a lot of hype around David Duke which I completely am on the David Duke train um so that was great I think the Fairfield game was awesome um, and then it kind of, once we got to Maui, I think like there was a lot of things that changed. Um, so if you want to kind of give me your thoughts on what happened there, what, what are some of the things that didn't work or some of the things that did work, um, kind of what went on in the Maui Asheville classic, which I'm so super sad about beyond obviously like, uh, that was one of my, I don't know if you know this or not, but that was one of my graduation gifts. My parents <laughs> gave me tickets to go to Maui and then it got moved and everything, but someday, someday we'll end there. But what yeah. happened at the Maui classic? Well, I was kind of bummed too. I was supposed to go out to Maui. My brother's in the military, so he's got a place wow. out in Maui. Um, different island, not uh, on the same island as Maui, but it was like a 30-minute uh, ferry ride over, so I was pretty bummed too. I was supposed to be trying to head out there, but then kind of corona happened, just like everything <laughs> else. Um, but, I mean, they kind of ran into three good teams. I mean, they beat Davidson, who will be an NCAA tournament team, and Alabama will be as well. Indiana probably will be as well, and I think it was just a tough matchup for them. Um, and then I, you know, I think then they realized their flaws that they had. Uh, they could not score the basketball uh, against Indiana. And then they struggled on the other end as well, which usually for an Ed Cooley team, it's usually, okay, the offense is slow to start the season, but the defense is always there. But I think those three-game stretch did not see a lot of flow defensively, whether it's zone. They put a lot of two-three zone um, in those games. They also got out-rebounded in every, every – all three of those games, they got out-rebounded in. Um, even the Davidson game, I believe there, we made like one or two. So it wasn't much, but obviously they still won the game. Um, but it's surprising too, this year, I think going into, uh, their last game against Freddie Dickinson, I think they're shooting about 72%, um, from the free throw line as a team. Um, which I mean, most of the misses I think came from maybe one guy, I think Ed Crosswell, you know, not to, you know, not to point him out, but I mean, Watson has been really good this year. I know his dad tweeting out that. You know, Nate missed a lot of practices last year. And that kind of – I remember, too, his first two games, he was like five for 15 from the line. And he was just a guy just trying to get his feet back under him. So, he made a lot more. So that's why his percentage was lower. It was around the high 60s both first two years. And then last year went down to like 56. Um, but, like, he's looked really good out there as well. Um, and finally, I've been saying for a couple of years now, Watson 
get that mid-range game, and he's starting to step out a little bit, kind of like Khalif did his senior year, um, trying to knock down some mid-range and uh, elbow shots. So that's good to see. Um, but again, I just think they're they're really missing Khalif and Alpha um, on defensively as well. I mean, Khalif was huge, um, and even offensively too, on the pick and roll. Mm-hmm. Offensive boards as well. I mean, Diallo was averaging about eight rebounds a game. I mean, one of the best in the Big East. And I think just not having him and Khalif, it's about 14 rebounds, probably 13, 14 rebounds right there you're missing. I mean, Horkler looked really good the first game. But again, like against teams like that, you're playing guys that are around your height, maybe six, eight, I think was the tallest guy. Really to right. That they played. Um, but you start playing teams like Indiana and Alabama, you're going to get a uh, SEC and Big Ten, they got some big boys, some big hogs down there. Absolutely. So you got to be able to rebound and uh, just have them able to really shoot the ball off from three. I think they're like 24% from three this year. Yeah, um, not looking good. Bynum's like 0 for 13. Uh, Bynum's look great, though, offensively. I mean, when he's able to drive, mm-hmm. uh, not shooting great, but uh, his mid-range game's good. And he's was averaging about four and a half assists per game. So been exactly what we needed of him. But also Alan Breed, I've uh, I fell in love with him. I think in that Alabama game, came with like nine points off the bench in 13 minutes uh, in the second half as well. Knocked down a couple threes and some shots. I was like, this is a guy that's supposed to be passed for his guard. He's he's scoring <laughs> points right now against Alabama. Yeah, I think that this year, especially, I know people say this every year that Providence is such a deep team, but I think that this year, like, we just have so many like really capable players and so many players that can play so many different positions and stretch the floor. But I think people need to understand that usually when we play in like Thanksgiving tournaments, we're not playing against like the top, not the, like top teams in the country, but really good teams. And, like the Maui classic is a really well-respected tournament. Um, so it's not like anyone like that's going there is like not going to have a great season or at least go on and have a good team. And it takes a while for chemistry to build, especially like you said, like losing alpha, losing Khalif, like those defensive guys. I mean, alpha was leading the, the big East in rebounds for a while. And the big East is a really physical conference. So to be leading, yeah, to be leading the big East in rebounds, um, I think we're really missing that. But I think two like key things that I'm really hopeful about, something that I've noticed the past um, two, three years is like when AJ and David, like they just have this incredible chemistry since they've been playing so long together outside of PC. Um, so I think that like when they're on like the both of them and like they're, they're like shots are going in, they're passing it to each other. I think that that's something that a lot of teams don't really have. Like that duo is amazing. And I think that Greg Gant's been playing really, really, really well. He's such a hard worker. He's such a great guy. Um, and I think that he's been playing really tough, really well. So I'm really happy to see him kind of emerging as a leader. I think Chris, Mon- Chris Monroe had a few good minutes. Um, even Jimmy, Jimmy played a little bit and did like had some good contributions. Um, we do have like so much depth this year, which is great. Um, and I think we, we kind of saw that come together at the second half of the, the Fairleigh Dickinson game. Um, like at first it would like, didn't really look like anything was kind of coming together, but I think the second half um, they really woke up um, in the game. It was great to watch. It was like that joy that you get um, when you're watching like the team, like play together. I think like, I don't know what game it was at the Mali classic, like the assists were just, like ridiculously low and that's not usually how like Providence plays um and that was disappointing I think that they need to like just look to look for the pass sometimes I think it was that Alabama game they had one assist in the first half um it was the Freddie Dickinson game I can't remember and they had one assist though and I think and then Gant got another assist and he had both assists so when Greg Gant's got both your assists right for like 22 minutes of the first 22 minutes of the game like nothing against him but you know that's not the guy 
that you would expect to be racking up assists as well. But even Duke re- rebounding, mm-hmm. he's averaging like four and a half rebounds this year. So he's had to step that up as well, um, which has been a big key for him. Obviously, you know, those long rebounds, you can get a couple of those um, and bat it around balls. But it's just interesting to watch him as well. Start to really fill up the stat sheet as well. We knew his offensive game, defensive game with steals. Um, and I was starting to see the rebounds um, and a little bit of assists. I think it's nice, too, that you have Bynum who can pass the ball, so Duke can play the two. Um, so he doesn't have to run the offense, and he can still find a shot as well. So I think that's a big for PC. Um, but, again, I think it's, you know, people talk about PC turning four starters. Um, mm-hmm. It's a lot. Usually that's pretty good for a team, but they have so many other role players that have not, like, played together. Exactly. Like, you got good on. I mean, even Horkwood, I mean, again, like, I was hearing from some coaches, it's so much different to like for Bonham and Horkler, you get to practice with a team, but it's a lot different when you're actually going to be playing compared to when you're actually just, you know, sitting out the year, you know, you might put a little more extra effort in or the little extra oomph, you know, um, to when you're playing. So um, to get the chemistry with all of those guys that they brought in with Crosswell, um, it's going to take a little bit longer just because they didn't have a lot of practices. I think at, at Big East Media, so they had like 13 practices since March. Um, which is crazy to think about. You might have like 70-something practices in between there. Um, and you have maybe a sixth or seventh of that. Um, so uh, obviously just like every team around the country, they were affected by COVID. Uh, they were shut down for, I think, about almost a month mm-hmm. um, when PC on campus had uh, an outbreak. Like I even couldn't, I couldn't go to work at the golf course. Um, I was right on the Department of Health study. I could not work. Um, <laughs> I tested negative about five times, but it took about three or four weeks for me to work. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's 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 so hard um, with like there's like the landscape of everything going on to get like the transition players um, and like the transfer players and like the people that haven't played as much. All of the new guys that we have, I feel like I feel like there's so many new people on the team that I gotta look up and kind of see what they're about. Um, but when you don't have like that practice time, and Cooley is notoriously known for not playing um, like the newer guys, he wants to play the re- the veterans, but they really he doesn't really have a choice. Kind of here, he's gonna have to play everybody, um, which is good to see everybody and kind of see like what. Um, they're capable of going into Big East play um, and like obviously this is the case every year but the Big East obviously it's a great conference um, I know right now who's who else is ranked Nova's ranked is great uh, yeah. yeah so going Crazy. into Big East play um, do you think that the ranking the preseason Big East rankings will be accurate or what are your kind of thoughts on um, going into Big East play for Providence or just other Big East teams Oh, it's funny. It always says, you know, he doesn't care about the Big East preseason rankings, um, which because it's funny because in years past, whenever I think two years ago when they didn't make the tournament, when they ranked, I think they ranked fourth uh, in the preseason and they missed the tournament and finished, I think, ninth. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, and you look back as well, well, years they do well is when they're projected like seventh or eighth. So I always like feel, last year. <laughs> always feel uncomfortable when we're always so. Um, I mean, it's obviously easier. People say it's easier to be uh, the hunter than hunted. You know, once you have a target on your back and some teams will use that as a target. So oh, they finish higher. Like, for example, when you play UConn, mm-hmm. obviously their program shut down right now with COVID uh, again. Um, but, you know, they might look at it like, hey, they projected finish higher. I mean, a lot of coaches, they don't worry about it. I mean, it's a little, you could use a little motivation. Um, but really, like, I always say Korean market, uh, Creighton and Villanova are legit. Mm-hmm. I literally think Villanova's chance for the national championship. And I just, it, it stinks too, because I think they would have definitely benefit as well. I think every team would have obviously, but Villanova would have definitely benefit even more. Um, luckily for them, they kind of had their growing pains last year because they brought back a lot of the same guys from last year. 
and they struggled sometimes at points last year. So, like, they're a tournament team. Could they made an Elite Eight Final Four run? Probably. Um, but, like, you know, the years they've won the, the championship, I mean, they've had those guys. Like, they're mm-hmm. just stacked. And uh, this is a team this year. Uh, they brought in a two-lane transfer, uh, Caleb Daniels as well. I think he's just on one year. He's a graduate transfer. Um, but, again, you bring back the same core guys. Um, you know, Jermaine Samuels, he'll get better. I mean, Gillespie, he's been there forever, it feels like. Yeah. Uh, got Archie Diacto, Archie's uh, younger brother as well. I think he's a freshman there. Or maybe he was a freshman last year. I'm losing my mind. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, Justin Moore, all Big East freshman last year, all, all freshman team for the Big East. Um, so, like, I expect Villanova to be competing, and it stinks, too, that, you know, Tyshawn Alexander went to the NBA draft because I really thought if he stayed another year, he would have been a lottery pick. Um, mm. But um, decided to go, and, you know, that Creighton, too, would have been a top-five team as well. So we would have had two teams at least in the top five, I think, with Villanova and Creighton preseason, or at least top ten. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Creighton was just outside, but they just lost today. Um, Zagorowski mm-hmm. got fouled and then missed – free throw to tie the game so that's heartbreaking <laughs> and I think too like you never rule out um and this is personal bias but also true like Seton Hall I mean mom was back so that that's great um he's I think he's he's such a key player for Seton Hall he's always clutch um like at the buzzer basically Seton Hall always good is always good um Butler kind of goes on these runs that they're just like unstoppable sometimes too um, I honestly haven't really seen much, like many UConn games, if I'm being honest. I think I've only seen the women play, but I mean, who knows? Maybe they'll come in and <laughs> go on a run in the Big East. <laughs> yeah, I'm always nervous. People are like, oh, we don't want UConn here. And I was like, yeah, I don't really want them either. Like, I know Kevin Bullard made some snarky comments. He's like, yeah. He's like, I didn't, I didn't vote UConn to be back in the Big East because, I mean, they take a little bit from everybody in the Northeast recruiting wise because they all For recruit sure. the same guys. UConn and Peace here always after some guys and obviously Hurley going back to his days at URI and you know he's faced Cleve before um and I knew Hurley too like he was going to run that program really quick um you know this is year I think three now for him or four um and he's starting to get his recruits in starting to get some energy back obviously his teams are very energetic at URI defensively they're always active um obviously that's kind of player that Danny was um, when he played at Dean Hall Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, they got a couple studs. James Boatnight is, uh, could be an all American this year. Um, just like we saw Trace Jackson Davis against uh PC, he was for Indiana. He was a kind of a dark horse for an all American as well. Didn't go off against us. He would put, I think he put up like 31 the next game or something. So he, he did put up like 15 though. Uh, I remember Race Thompson for Indiana. That dude came out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, he he played amazing. A lot of injuries. So we didn't have a lot of tape on him. Um, but just going back to UConn, like, it's great to have him back for women's as well. I mean, talk, you talk about their women's team. I mean, Gino is it. Like, they build yeah. statues. For this <laughs> so, I mean, he is like the Lombardi of women's basketball. I mean, he is the gold standard. And you can tell. And obviously, me being from Connecticut, I've heard the stories all about him. I got friends who were, like, managers for the women's team. And what they do is, like, the women's team would scrimmage, like, male, like, managers and stuff. So, like, they kind of get that intensity um, going on and, and like, it helps them, you know, get better as well. Um, just cause you get some of the, you get some maybe bigger bodies than you would of finding, you know, other managers as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so that's one of the ways that Gino will get his team better. So they get that physicality and you just see it on the court as well. When they play a game, 
like they're more talented they're more physical they're more confident they're just more everything um, oh yeah so i'd love to, to see them i love to see them play like a like a men's team like a d2 d3 even yeah. one team i think that they could definitely take down some low um sure. d1 teams but you did mention uri so i definitely have to bring up the uri pc game um there are so many heated fans on the pc side and the uri side who are so upset that the PC URI game didn't happen this year. Um, and I was listening to the post-conference and they were kind of grilling Cooley again about it. And I completely obviously stand by him and agree with him. And basically to some of what Cooley said is like, he was like, I wasn't going to put like my players and my staff in a position where like, I didn't think it was safe to play. Like Cooley cares about Providence College. That's evident to everybody. Um, and he just didn't feel like it was necessary. And a lot of people were saying, but it's just down the road, like blah, 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 blah. Like they should have played it. Like this is a tradition. And I think that a lot of like this, like I just aggression that's coming, at least I've seen on Twitter is just because this is such a big deal and such a big game in Rhode Island, because this is like the two rival schools. So what are your thoughts on PC deciding not to play the game? Do you think it could have worked? Um, what do you kind of feel about the PCURI situation? I mean, yeah, I, I think it definitely could have worked. Uh, you know, I'm not from Rhode I got family in Rhode Island, but it's not like, for me, it's not the end-all, be-all. Um, I mean, obviously for PC, I mean, you look at their travel schedule as well, and the games already had coming up. They only had, I think, like two open dates then, mm-hmm. three open dates for games. And because Big East literally starts, like, next week. Um, so, I mean, they had to travel to Maui, and they played three tough opponents. Um and then, you know, they don't have to play a schedule like URI. URI has to play a lot of good teams. Now, granted, right. the Illini 10 might be a free-bid league this year. Um, you got some really good teams in there. I know Richmond's good. I mean, obviously, we'll see how their Kentucky win holds out because Kentucky looks like a dumpster fire right now. Not a lot of <laughs> talent going down there right now, even though they were ranked. They got talent, but they're just not – again, it's, it's a freshman team. They're not going to be that good when they had maybe 20 practices this year. I mean, we'll mm-hmm. see. Uh, see what Cal can get going. But, you know, your eye, they have to try to score as many games as they can because you're going to have teams in Ken Palm that are lower 200s and lower 100s. You know, the Big East last year, they said every team in the top 100 at Ken Palm. So even DePaul, I think they might have – I think they it's, they still stayed on as a quadrant two, I think. Right. So they just fell off quadrant one. Um, so they still they were still a top 100 Ken Palm team. We don't have to play UMass or Fordham or George Washington, or those teams. Um, so for your eye, like, they have to win those games. A loss to one of those teams will be a quad three or quad four loss. Could ruin their season. And then, again, last year, maybe besides Dayton, outside of that, there wasn't a lot of quad one opportunities. PC would, um, would have been a quad one game, I think, for them, um, even though they're at home. Um, but still, I mean, they really – rely on this game as well and I think for Cooley I mean looking at it would have been played between what TCU and Maui it's like okay like you want to give your players some rest as well I mean again with the practices and stuff um, and yeah it's a fun game but I mean I, I again kind of like with Cooley I think K-Mac uh, K-Mac was with them too it's like you know you schedule for your team you don't care about any other people exactly. you don't care I mean, you care about the fans, but you don't care about what other people think. You do what's best for your team. I think Cooley, you know, and Cooley's caught some people, like, on his side as well, just for being honest about it. Like, and the thing is, too, is, like, I would love – I mean, every fan would love to hear, like, what's behind closed doors as well. I mean, granted, I probably do think that, like, had to do with money. I think Mm -hmm. PC probably – here's probably what happened. They said, we want, you know, we want the revenue 
for tickets and for drinks and right. you know stuff like that, which is totally acceptable because it's basically a sellout crowd. And I'm sure you're right. I was going to say PC probably offered, hey, can, we want to be played at home at our place next year too. And Europe, I was like, no, we're not doing that because that's right. probably their biggest game of the year as well. It's their Super Bowl. Um, so I'm sure it kind of goes on both sides. But, I mean, then kind of Thor Bjorn, the uh, URI athletic director, throwing out a little, uh, <laughs> a little hook shot there as well uh, with his comments yesterday that I think – for me, it was a little hidden underneath the snake in the grass there for his comments after they uh, decided to schedule Wisconsin and basically saying, we'll play anyone, anywhere. Um, and it threw some other stuff in there as well. Um, but like, for me, like, again, like I'm third generation friar and like, I never, you know, I got family in North Providence. So I never really thought of, you know, as the Duke UNC type of thing, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's a fun little game, but at the same time too, it's like, you're right. Usually plays Brown every year. They didn't right. schedule them this year because Ivy League's canceled. I don't hear a lot of flack about that, you know. And it's the same thing, like, BC and PC used to play for a couple of years, and then BC canceled the series. I was like, yeah, at first, like, okay, yeah, BC doesn't want to play us anymore. We beat them, I think, two years or three years in a row. Okay, whatever, we'll play somebody else. Because you, you can get those opportunities. I think everyone's just mad because Uri always likes to have this opportunity to beat a high-level team. And, they, yeah, they get a little bragging rights as well. Um, but for me, it's like, I didn't, you know, I don't care for it, you know, I don't. You know, people can talk whatever they want, but, um, you know, I, I just think, like, at the end of the day, um, PC's fine. I mean, I'm fine with the decision they made. It's not the end-all, be-all, because, again, you literally got, what, like, next week, literally, they got Big East games. So, and you got about four or five Big East games um, scheduled up, and, again, those teams are going to be brutal, especially their, their first couple. I know they play, I think, like, I can't remember if it's Ag Xavier or home against Xavier. I know they're home against UConn. Which again, like UConn, that's good. that's good. That's a good team. So yeah, and Xavier will put up a tough fight too. And just to go back for a sec, I think it's like this season, especially every coach and like every college basketball team is going to be looking out for their team. Like they're looking out that every college coach and every college basketball player, like they just want to play. Like obviously, if they can play a good team preseason, that's even better. But like they just want to get on the court and like get the opportunities before the season starts. Big East play starts on the twelfth. We have Xavier, so like it is right around the corner. Um, really, no time to kind of um, stop and breathe. And like once Big East play, normally in a normal year, once Big East play starts, it's just like back to back to back games, um, and it goes by so quickly. And hopefully, I hope we can obviously play as long as we can, like minus um, there's any COVID scares or anything. But once it does start, like it's so competitive, and it's really it's. I mean, I always think the Big East is pretty wide open in terms of like the middle pack. Um, normally there's like the normally Villanova leads it. Sometimes it's between like us, Seton Hall, Creighton for the top couple. Um, but what do you think is going to happen this year with the tournament? Um, the Big East tournament, um, I know for the NCAA tournament, correct me if I'm wrong, um, they're going to do it like a, just a bubble situation. But do you think that most programs will follow that bubble um, like tournament for their conference finals? Um, yeah, I really, I mean, I think that the Big East will eventually, I mean, they're planning again, doing this kind of normal scheduling where they travel on the road and they're at home. Um, but like, I know a scenario that's come up multiple times in discussions is doing a bubble in Mohegan Sun, um, which is where the women's basketball tournament for Big East will be played. I think after this year, then they're doing one more year, um, in Chicago, they're supposed to, and then the, every year will be after that, which is nice because again, you, UConn women's home game, the Excel center will, will almost sell out sometimes, which is again, like 16,000 people. So they'll get at least 10, 12,000 people for a UConn women's basketball game typically. 
So that's big to have them making some. I think it's around 10,000. They could probably sell it out almost for UConn games at least. Um, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if they did it. I mean, Mohegan Sun had a um, huge success with the bubbleville they had, um, which didn't, it didn't really seem like a bubble. It just seemed like more like someone said I, it was funny. I picked up their comment, like revolving door because so many teams came and went. So it wasn't like the same teams there. Like obviously Villanova and Virginia added games there, but it was like teams were coming in and they're coming out and like more teams came in. Um, but I could, I could really see like if the biggies does go to like a bubbleville, then they'll probably just play the tournament at a bubble as well. I don't think really they're going to play at, like, MSG. Like, I just – unfortunately, I just don't think. And depending on New York's kind of states, their guidelines, um, which I know Rhode Island was up for, like, something for a while for the dunk. Um, but then Rhode Island kind of their, – their kind of COVID totals went up. So, I know Rhode Island, like, put in a bid. Like, Providence put in a bid for, like, a bubble. Um, uh, maybe like out Midwest, but like, who knows, honestly, it's like, you just got to take it like almost week by week, day by day, just to see where kind of everything ends up because, you know, again, we're going to last until January, um, for that. But the other thing is too, is that if you do a bubble for the men's, you do one for the women's as well. Um, so that kind of brings up some other points. And then I know they're talking about maybe two about splitting it up into like two different bubbles. Mm -hmm. So like one in like the Northeast and one in the Midwest. So you could do like six teams and then five teams. Um, so that could work as well. Yeah. I think that that makes sense in theory, but it's also just kind of, I personally just think it's unnecessary if you've already been playing these teams twice like the season and obviously you have to go there. You have to um, like that team has to come there. Like if that works and it's successful and there aren't problems, um, I feel like just to add that extra element of like having two separate bubbles um, would just be unnecessary, but who knows what's going to happen. Hopefully, like I said before, like we can play in all the conferences um, as much as we can. And like, hopefully by the time March rolls around April, um, like the country itself will be in a better position Um, because I know how devastated obviously everybody was about March Madness being canceled. So hopefully we'll be able to um, experience that. And I think the direction that it's going, I think that's definitely um, pretty possible. I know like it's not fair to the athletes to not give them that opportunity, not give them that stage. So as long as everyone follows all the protocols um, for a few months longer, um, we should be in a good position. Um, Well, I, thanks for coming on the podcast. Best of luck with your finals. Um, home stretch now and um, stay safe and healthy and go Friars. Go Friars. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for listening to episode eight of Bars to the Bar.